Hey, hey D&D, D&D fam. fam. I'm Quick. And I'm Lee. And you're listening to Divas, Divas and Duckets. So what is a diva? I think divas get a bad rep. But to me, diva is all about the attitude. As for ducats, it's your finances, your assets, Skrilla, Guap, your coin. We're talking all things with the potential to affect your pockets. And while we're attorneys by trade, we are divas by choice. Divas and Ducats is for entertainment purposes. Y'all, we are not Series 511 (laughs) or 703 professionals. This does not create a financial advisor or attorney-client relationship. The views expressed here are solely our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It's just our opinions, y'all. Okay, Divas, let's talk Ducats. D&D fam, what's going on? Hey, D&D fam. I am Lee. And I am Quick. We're so glad to have you back with us here at Divas and Duckets. So, Lee, tell us today what is going to be on our Diva docket. So, we have a great topic for you guys today. We're going to be talking about keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. But first, we wanted to highlight this episode's Boss Bay. Um, And I just want to give you a little uh, information about what a boss bay is. So we thought it would be good to highlight people, especially small businesses who are making an impact in their community, Mm -hmm. who are doing good things, who are being good representatives and using their talents and their skills to help others and make a difference. So uh, we just wanted to give you guys this, I guess this is our first yes, Boss Yes, this will Bay be our highlight. first Boss Bay. And as Lee said, our Boss Bays are going to be both male and female bays, but we just definitely want to highlight those people that are in our community, you know, that are definitely making a difference on the ground, especially with small business owners, because, you know, those dollars, as long as they can circulate within our community, they're helping out. So our first boss bay that we are going to highlight is going to be Cheryl Richardson. She was born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's one of those rare natives of Charlotte. And she attended and graduated from St. Aug University with a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology. Then she went on to Winston-Salem University where she received her Master's of Science and Rehabilitation Counseling. And then she received a postgraduate certificate in Forensic Vocational Consulting from the University of Florida. She is currently pursuing her Ph.D., and she is a certified rehabilitation counselor, a forensic vocational consultant, and a licensed professional counselor, specializing in both vocational consulting and individualized counseling. She is also a nationally recognized vocational expert with the Social Security Administration. Cheryl has over 17 years of experience in her field. So what does she do specifically? Um, I know those are some big words, so let me kind of break down what she... Forensic vocational. You know, when you start getting all them titles and all that... CSI. (laughs) All those years of experience, like, okay, okay, what does that mean? So she does um, two main things. She does rehabilitation counseling. So that works with the mental disorders, right? So she deals with depressive disorders, anxiety disorders dealing with mood disruption, if you have panic attacks, you know, social anxiety, all those kind of disorders. So that would fall under her rehabilitation counseling areas. So she does that. And then she also does, um, with the vocational, she does career counseling. So she helps people get their career assessments. She helps you with your interviews, your resume, cover letter development. 
interviewing skills, and she can help you identify those strengths and weaknesses so whenever you're going into interviewing. So if you need someone to help you with your career counseling or if, you know, you have areas where you're dealing with any kind of anxiety, I know that um, I used to deal with anxiety as well. You know, in this society today with everything going on, the pressures Mm -hmm. and demands of society, how fast-paced it is, it's very easy to feel anxious a lot and, yeah. you know, think something that is going on wrong with you. She definitely is there to help you with those. So Cheryl Richardson, she is our boss bay for today. And she can be reached at crichardsoncounseling.com. If you want to email her, you can email her at Cheryl, that's C-H-E-R-Y-L, at crichardsoncounseling.com. You can drop down to the deets on our um, podcast for today, and we will make sure that we have that information in there for you to be able to go to her website or to email her if you want to reach out. And I do want to mention that she is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, so you know she knows her stuff. Well, hey, bae. That's all I got to say about that. And we will be starting to put her information in this episode's description uh, for your convenience as well. All right. So let's get into it. Our topic today is going to be keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses definitely affects those ducats Mm -hmm. and divas and divos. We have got to stop doing it. We got to do better. So let's talk about it. For those who have never heard the term, Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. I did a little research. Yes. Because I just wanted to know where that came from. And um, I just want to let you know that this diva is a bit of a nerd, so I like to know the historic origins and where things come from. And so I went to good old Wikipedia, and they told me that keeping <laughs> up with the Joneses... Hold on, let me try to use my professional voice. <clears throat> keeping up with the Joneses is an idiom <laughs> in many parts of the English-speaking world, referring to the comparison of one's neighbor as a benchmark for so social class or the accumulation of material goods Mm. to fail to keep up with the Joneses is perceived as demonstrating socioeconomic or cultural inferiority. Uh, Okay. There was a lot of strong words in there. Benchmark, inferiority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I looked a little further (laughs) and I was like, okay, so where did this kind of show up in society? Like the keeping Mm -hmm. up with the Joneses. And so there's a lot of stories. I think I found about five variations of where that phrase supposedly came from. Okay. I think some were talking about, you know, someone built a mansion. Some talked about wealthy families trying to kind of outdo each other. Mm. But my favorite was, and actually a comic strip and it was by Arthur Pop I think it's Momon this is interesting yeah so it was a comic strip from like 1913 to about 1940 and it was about a family and they lived beside they had some neighbors obviously named the Joneses okay um, and these neighbors were often talked about but they were never seen ah. so that <laughs> is what I could find you know doing just my little bit of you know Google diligence and trying to figure out where did that kind of come from and then I kind of think Especially within the black community, I I would say keeping up with the Joneses probably has its history with slavery. Probably starts with slavery because you know everything goes back to slavery. Y'all. Yeah, it does. So I really think the original America's original sin. You know, you had people who had I like nothing. That. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> People who had nothing and first generation to experience freedom. Mm-hmm. And so then you're living off the land trying to make a way. You got sharecropping generations. Right. 
a lot of times we could trace back to that maybe that first generation that was actually able to maybe get ahead. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, they were able to go to school or they were able to get what were, you know, what was considered the good jobs. Right. And I think what happens sometimes, especially within the black community, is this feeling or this need to play catch up. Yeah. Or to, you know, let me get all the things or do all the things that I couldn't do that before. You, know, yes, you know, or, yes. you know, based on my childhood, though, all these things that I didn't have or maybe mama couldn't afford it back then. So let me go ahead and get two of them now mm-hmm. that I can, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of see that in, in terms of kind of thinking about, like, where did that come from and, like, tracing it back to why maybe a lot of us kind of struggle with that. Okay. I do think that it was interesting in the comic strip version of, I guess, the history of we're keeping with the Joneses came from is that it said that it was their neighbor yet they were never around so it was these even still today it's like keeping up with the Joneses but we're like who are the Joneses like who who is that benchmark person it's just some invisible person that we usually have in our head right yeah this invisible Um, threshold it's just some person that we which makes it even harder to compare Mm -hmm. them to because the fact that it's an invisible threshold means that even when you achieve what you believe there's always going to be another threshold there's mm-hmm. always going to be another Joneses yeah um per se so I, j- I think that was very interesting that even then you could not see them mm-hmm. so something you can't even see something you can't touch but you're trying to compare yourself to it yeah and I, I, I agree like I think a lot of the times with like you said keeping up with the Joneses like we try to feel like we're trying to play catch up mm-hmm. um, from history of not having enough and then once you grow up and you get enough you know you're always telling yourself well when I get this I'm I'm gonna make sure that it's at a certain level right. or it's at a certain presentation mm-hmm. or just always feeling like you have to to have things like yeah. right keeping up with the Joneses is, is tied it's tied around material things yeah no one ever says I want to keep up with her happiness or mm. I want to keep up with her peace uh. it's always stuff right and yeah. that's how it affects the ducats because it's always material things that you're trying to compare yourself to it's always Mm -hmm. material things that you feel like this thing if i have this thing this this material thing that can be taken away that has no emotional no connectivity to your actual well-being if i can get this thing then it means that i've achieved a certain status Mm, yeah and i think with you saying it's materials it's never enough Mm -mm. because they're always it's always gonna be something new always you had a fly car there's always you know next year's model Mm -hmm. and i think maybe sometimes we start tying that with our identity yes and I think, you know, maybe like, especially in practice or in our profession, like, did you kind of see that mm-hmm. coming into when you were practicing out there? Do you kind of see a lot yeah, of that going I on? I definitely um, saw it in, in practice. And especially, I think with a lot of professionals, we feel like I, I definitely know specifically someone who told me that they went out and got a Mercedes Benz because they felt like their clients, if they didn't see them in a Mercedes Benz or if they didn't see them in certain things that they did, their clients wouldn't feel like they were capable. And I, that's perception, right? It's how you think your clients perceive you, mm-hmm. but the clients never said that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so again, when usually in, you know, in the in the field that I practice in, the majority of the time my clients saw me, I was already in court. Yeah. So they weren't seeing me pulling up to a parking lot. So, you know, even when they came into the office to see me, yeah, Mm -hmm. you could decorate your office nicely. But again, that Mercedes that's sitting outside, that BMW that's sitting outside, the client doesn't know that it's you. They don't know that a car is attached to you. Right. So the fact, I think 
we use that, might use that as an excuse, but really it's, again, perception of self. You mm-hmm. might feel like you're better because you're driving a Mercedes, but you can't say that. You can't own that. Yeah. You know, so it's also we look at you might come in straight out of your profession or straight out of school, mm-hmm. you know, your first year, second year, and you're looking at this person that's been in the game 15 years. True. Yep. And saying, well, I have to have what they have right now. Mm-hmm. No, they, they built up to that, you know. Right. And and I said all the time, like, I, I even specifically for me, I remember going in and um, there was an attorney. He had a really nice car. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, that's a really nice car. That's a really nice car. Like, how much is the oil change? Of course you asked. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> because I'm quick. Of course you asked. Of course okay. I asked. So, you know, and his response was, if you have to ask. Well. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of just shut me down. But it's so <laughs> true, right? Because a lot of the times that we see the outside thing and we think, oh, that's a really nice car. I can get the car. But we don't think about all the other things that it takes. Yeah, the maintenance. To keep that mm-hmm. car going, right. right? So I just thought it was a really... It was, a, it was an extremely funny answer. It was kind of shady on the it low. <laughs> like, it was. If you a, have to ask, you, you can't afford it. Ask, you cannot <laughs> afford it. Why are you worried about how much the cost of the gas is? Right, right. It ain't for you. you. And I think, especially in, like you said, your professions, you think about, I went through all this school. Because a lot of times mm. we're seeing in society, undergrad, unfortunately, isn't enough. You got these all jobs. Right, even right. entry-level jobs, they want you to have this post-grad degree. Mm-hmm. And so you think about whether medical, legal, you know, your business fields, you went through four years of undergrad, struggling, broke. You went through another two to four years, you know, post-grad. If you, in the medical field, I don't even know how many more certifications you have to get. I I know, it's a lot. So, (laughs) but you think you go through all that school, so you're just thinking like, oh, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. And I remember thinking like, oh, when I make this amount, I'm going to go and get this. Mm -hmm. Because like you Mm -hmm. said, you had that picture in your mind that's that representation of success. That yep. representation of, oh, I made it. And like mm-hmm. you said, I think you see the name brand or you see the Mercedes mm-hmm. or the German engineer, whatever your favorite. You know, we all got that. If I win the lottery, this kind of the car right. I'm going to get. Right. When you see it, you don't realize unless you put a lot of money down, a sixty, seventy thousand dollar car. You Talk paying rent. Talk about and it. And a car payment. Well, yeah, a car payment. I don't know about today's rent, but a few years ago, you pay $800, $900 car payment, right. you know, for that kind for of car. Sure. And so I think, though, it's that, like you said, that grind and that feeling deprived for so mm-hmm, long, mm-hmm. whatever that image it is that you hold up, you feel like, oh, so when I finally get it, like, for me, I think it was the outfit. Mm-hmm. and like shoes mm-hmm. and so you know I found myself sometimes like you said like oh if I was going to court or if I was going to some presentation I put on this outfit that costs more than I should have spent on it right. and put it on felt all cute and was like oh I'm gonna get them with this one mm-hmm. and it's like like you said the people may or may not even be thinking not, right. anything about what I have on no. when really in those situations like your skills mm-hmm. are what, what are doing the talking mm-hmm. some of the most prolific people that I saw in the profession there's their suit might have came from men's warehouse for all Man. I know I have no idea Talk about and it. so I, I really think that you know sometimes we miss the message in that and I think sometimes like you said like being deprived of things we create this image of what success looks mm-hmm. like and that image is is oftentimes expensive it's expensive and it's usually skewed mm. right because you just never know what 
the Joneses, what their what their background is. I also remember seeing <laughs> it was an attorney um, <laughs> that I would see at court, and she had this briefcase, and mm-hmm. of course it was a Louis Vuitton briefcase. Oh, yeah. But I could tell by the way that she carried the briefcase, mm-hmm. by the way the stuff was just in the briefcase mm-hmm. that she could afford that briefcase, right? That Louis Vuitton did not make her, right? It, okay. She could have just easily oh, she treated had, that like a Lisa Frank. Right. <laughs> I mean, she really, like, it was just, like, stuff was just in the bag. It was just tossed in it like it was a regular bag, you know? Mm-hmm. And I could just tell, mm, that bag don't make her, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, it's just, I don't know. I think the keeping up with the Joneses thing is just, you just have to be very, very careful when you're willing to try to keep up with, again, some imaginary threshold, some imaginary benchmark of what you think of success, but in reality is hurting your pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, what, what what is the point of having a car that costs the cost of rent? And I, I just thought what I, what, what I thought about, it, I was just thinking about people that have like these a, a Tesla and it's sitting outside of an apartment. Oh, like, girl. Uh, uh, I'm not saying, and that's a whole, you know, different somebody. thing. I'm not saying, because a house ain't for everybody. Right. And I get it. People move mm-hmm. back and forth and everything, yeah. but so, sometimes, you know, I just don't understand having a car that cost as much as your mortgage or your rent mm-hmm. and then you're complaining about money. I, yeah. I, I don't understand that. Like, And I think it, it, there's an important distinction there. It's one thing if there's nothing wrong with liking nice things right, and liking sure. quality. Mm-hmm. I think like you said the difference is can you afford, can you afford the lifestyle it? that you are trying to create. Right. You know what I mean? Are you putting yourself in debt? Are you putting yourself in a hole? Are you, you know, behind on bills mm-hmm. because you're trying to yes. basically, yes. yeah, live above your means? And that and is you're the trying to impress right? someone or, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, that it kind of goes to the whole thing, right? Of course, we're not talking about the people that can afford it and aren't thinking twice about it. If people are still able to save up for retirement, mm-hmm. put money into their IRAs, put money into their 401ks, mm-hmm. still be able to send their kids to private schools without thinking about it. We're not talking about that, right? We're talking about the people that are key. Those are the Joneses. <laughs> right? Oh, that's the big <laughs> Those are the Joneses. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the people that's trying to keep up with this benchmark mm-hmm. of, you know, you have this thing, but when you're going home, you're stressed. Yeah. We're talking about the people that you have these things, but you can't even take off work when you're sick. Yeah. Because you know if you take off a day, mm. if you take off three days, mm-hmm. you're going to be behind in a payment. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's to yeah. me, it, it's not worth affecting your ducats to have stuff to try to impress other people. Yeah, I agree. And I think what I'm curious about is, like, where these images that we get. Like, mm-hmm. so for me, it was the outfit or yeah. the shoes, you yeah. know, that that was my thing. Mm-hmm. Some people like a car mm-hmm. or like you said, all of us have our different thing that we imagine in that whole keeping up yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think we live in this era, though, where you see so much. You think about mm-hmm. it like social media. Yes. So every day you're inundated with images 
of people flexing. Because let's be, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. When you post, nine times out of ten, most of us are posting yeah. our best. We're posting, yeah. you know, yep. when we're on this great trip. Mm-hmm. We're posting mm-hmm. when we're doing these big things. Right. We post when we, you know what I mean? When we have accomplished something or we're doing something big. Most right. of us aren't, you know, posting those moments where we're having a meltdown nope. or posting those bad days, you know, when you cry out of the closet. Mm-hmm. Nobody we're not posting that. the moments when we need a Cheryl Richardson. Okay, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think it's really important to remember it. I think, you know, that is something that kind of hits different mm-hmm. with this generation. Um and I think I think maybe, you know, I don't like millennial, but I think I'm that last generation that remembers not having the internet. Mm-hmm. And so now <laughs> you have all these apps. You have Facebook, Instagram. I think the new one is TikTok. Y'all, I'm washed. I don't know. I don't understand, but it's cute when I see the videos. I don't fully get it either. I'm not going to embarrass myself. <laughs> oh, so. Snapchat. That yes, Snapchat. <laughs> but you have the point is you have all these platforms right. to basically show your best. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes when we see that nowadays, like think about twenty years ago or twenty five years ago, when people were out here living in the world, you didn't know what was going on with somebody in Dubai. No. You didn't know until they printed out those pictures right. at Rite Aid. Right. You know what I mean? Not not the pictures on their phone because we didn't have that. You nope. know what I mean? You printed them out, doubles if you really liked them, <laughs> and you had to sit and look at what people right. were doing. And these are people were people that you knew. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. These are people you knew. I still didn't know about the du- Dubai if it was somebody that <laughs> was in another city and I didn't right. know. Right. Right. So right. now, it, you know, I think it's pros and cons to social media. Of course, mm-hmm. you have all this access, but that's always that's also a con. There's right. so much access, right. and I think that sometimes we allow that or we those moments we almost minimize ourselves so Mm -hmm. think about you know you could be this person let's say you know you you educated or you did whatever you needed to do to get the job you like you're feeling your career you feel valued you're doing your thing you got your family over here you can have all these things going for you all these accomplishments going for you and then you see that one thing you see one person over here maybe they had that proposal (laughs) in greece on the roof you know those blue rooftops mm. with a dress wafting in the wind. And the professional photographer that you know, just happened to. That just snapped the moment at the right shot mm. and all of a sudden you're ready to throw your laptop away. Now you feel like a failure. A failure. Because you don't have your dress flowing in Greece. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I think that sometimes. trap, man. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I, social media, I, it's a, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, information is great, but too much of it can just, like, your brain doesn't know how to throw away the pieces it doesn't need, right? So yeah. it's just overconsumption mm-hmm. and overconsumption of anything. Mm-hmm. Anything is yeah. not good for you, right? So I, I definitely think for those very reasons, when people fall into the comparison traps, when people, you know, start trying to keep up with what is on social media, and I think Snapchat is the very best way to describe what you're talking about like Mm -hmm. it's what a 60 second capture of somebody and then the next day is gone Mm -hmm. and and I think that's we try to keep up with 60 seconds of somebody's 24 hours and it may like you just you you can't like Mm -hmm. you just can't I think you were saying something about comparing and yeah I think that comparison trap for those who maybe not familiar it's a phrase I'm I'm not sure if it came from the mental health community or where it um, kind of originated but basically it's just it's essentially a trap the the meaning is in the in the name 
but you find yourself looking at other people mm-hmm. and feeling, you know, less accomplished, feeling down on yourself, never feeling like you're adequate right. um, because of what somebody else is doing. Right. So it's kind of like always looking at your neighbor, always mm-hmm. looking next door, and you're never good enough, essentially, because right. somebody else is doing X, Y, Z. And I think we all kind of struggle with that. I think for me, I guess I would I would say the root of that would come sometimes come in the form of adequacy. Mm-hmm. You know, that always the being good enough kind of right. thing. That's where enough? I right. kind of felt it come from. Yeah. And I think the thing that I had to remember when you find yourself maybe seeing someone do well, and, and let me be clear, I don't think comparison trap is a jealousy. It's right. not wanting to see someone else do poorly. Right. It's not hating not in terms not of wanting all. it like, oh, I don't want to be the only successful person here. Right. It is essentially seeing someone else's success and not feeling successful or not mm-hmm. recognizing that that's their lane, you that's know, kind right, of thing. Right. And I think, like I said, uh, I think I said to you the other day, you know, we're so quick to compare, but we always forget to contrast. Mm. And, you know... Let's, sit, sit, let's, sit, let's <laughs> let that sit. Repeat that. Repeat that. So we are quick to compare, but we often forget to contrast. Yes. So I I would say the thing is, so going back to that comic strip origin, right? We said that family was talked about, but we never saw them. Mm -hmm. So we don't know who the Joneses are. We We don't know. know. Poor Mr. Jones. God forbid, Mr. Jones could be abusive. Mr. Jones could be over there going through it. Mrs. Jones. You know what I'm saying? Mrs. Jones could be laying it low and spreading it wide. Okay? We don't know. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. It could be a me and Mrs. Mrs. Jones. Say that. We don't know what she's doing over there. <laughs> we don't. You know, and I think that you we forget to understand what's going on with someone else. So say it could be anything. You might be developing your own business, mm-hmm. right? And so the beginnings of anything, you know, you're just making traction, you're making plans, and you see someone over here, it may or may not be in the same field of what you're trying to do. Right. That business, you know, they got all the platforms and all the colors and all the little gadgets, mm-hmm. and it's so cute and cool, and all of a sudden, you over here feeling like, do I need to be doing this? Right. Am I really, is this really my purpose? Yep. And it's like, first of all, Paul says, if the desire is put in you, then you are working in your purpose. Say that. Let's understand that. The desire would not have been put in your heart mm-hmm. if you were not supposed to be doing what you're doing. So but what true. you forgot to do is the, when you looked over at that person all in their playground, all in their yard, and saw their pretty colors, mm-hmm. you forgot to look at, okay, they've been doing this for 15 years. What did right. what did year one look what like for that person? One look like? What did day one look like? Year one look like? How many revamps did they mm-hmm. have to go through? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even lifestyle. You might be doing something as just yourself. It might be just yourself. You might be a single parent. Somebody over here might be killing it. They might be double income, no kids. We all know mm-hmm. you can do more with two than one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you cannot compare and you neglect to contrast. contrast and neglect yeah. to see where things are a little different Absolutely. and give yourself that grace yes. in doing so. You know, understand, like, what am I doing day to day to improve? If right. you are getting better and doing better and being better with mm-hmm. each passing day, then you are in, you, you do 
doing everything that you need to be doing. Right. You know, for sure. And that, that I think that is so, so very true. Um, I think, you know, with the comparison trap and, and keeping up with the Joneses, essentially what you're not doing is living in your own truth. Right. Mm-hmm. You're trying to be something that you're not supposed to be. And that's why it's so uncomfortable. That's why it creates anxiety and, and you know, depression and mm-hmm. all this stress is because that's you're not supposed that's not your truth. Nope. Like you said, you're not living in your own lane. Your mm-hmm. lane will feel comfortable to you yeah what you're supposed to be doing when you're walking in your own purpose when you're dressed in the way that you're supposed to dress it's going to feel comfortable to you mm-hmm. when you are stressed out and sitting there feeling sad because you know especially oh my goodness when we talk about social media con- in in the con- um, comparison traps and all that stuff yeah you know they have this um whole uh site called he proposed mm. and there's all these grandiose proposals like you said you know they're just at the always at the beach and on an island and Mm -hmm. video recorded and professionally recorded and I just remember my parents who have been married you know 40 plus years my daddy proposed to my mama in front of a Christmas tree just him and her I mean, that's a nice picture. You know? Just saying. Just him and her. It was no <laughs> videos. It was, and they 40 years in the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But people now, all they see is, you know, I want the big ring. I want the big, you know, proposals. I want the $30,000, $40,000 wedding. Mm-hmm. We and, need, and that Kodak moment. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. You want the picture moment to be in the you want it to be able to post. That's why you want the moment. It's not mm-hmm. even like you're not even thinking, I want this moment so I can look back in five to six years and see me and my husband in this photo. Like you're literally. It's tw- like the validation. Yes, 12 yeah. hours afterwards posting it. Mm-hmm. Some people post it during the wedding. Just You just want to be able to post so someone can like it and say, yeah. we see you. And there's that thing, so like like we said, validation. Because mm-hmm. there's, I can't, Lord, mental health folks, please do not flame me for getting this wrong. But <laughs> because I, I feel like I'm going to confuse serotonin and the the dopamine. Right. But I, I am. <laughs> so let me just say this. One of those One of is those. a feel good. Right. And so essentially <laughs> what happens is they and there's like there's scientific evidence that shows they've studied people like when they do the likes and everything like mm-hmm. that. And that's why mm-hmm. I, I think Instagram has thought about taking the likes away. and It's been a whole big thing. But mm. essentially, um, yeah, it's a whole big thing because I think people who get their business off of Instagram, a lot of the advertisers come to them based on, you know, their followers, but, right, things right, like that. Right, right. And so it kind of is interrupting people's coins. Okay. Um, okay. But essentially these uh, scientific I guess various uh, experiments were showing that people get a dose of that feel good mm-hmm. every time some they go and see somebody likes their picture. And mm-hmm. so I think sometimes it's almost people chasing that feel good, mm-hmm. you know, when they post. And I so you'll guilty. see people that, oh, I only got 10 likes or, oh, right. I'm, you know, feeling less than or like your picture is still dope if you po- if you posted i guarantee you if you posted a picture on the rooftop of greece whether 10 people liked it or ten thousand, that is a beautiful picture a in beautiful greece picture and a beautiful experience exactly right, but right. you're feeling over here feeling inadequate right. like you said because you're not getting that validation mm-hmm. you're not getting mm-hmm. that feel good mm-hmm. and so i think like you said like sometimes it is good to disengage and right. remember yes. and really think about what is my goal mm-hmm. in 
whether it's posting or whether it's, you know, like you said, going after the expensive things or mm-hmm. if you're spending above your means, why am I doing that? Why you know what I mean? Doing, right. Because at the end of the day, these Joneses, as we said, we, we don't see them. The Joneses don't know who you are. They, they, don't. they don't know you from Adam. Mm-hmm. Well, as Kiki Palmer says, you could be walking down the street and they wouldn't know a thing. They ain't thinking about you. At all, okay? <laughs> and so that's, that's the, it, at the end of the day, I guess I would challenge people, if you're in a position where you're finding yourself kind of stressed about what you're spending or mm-hmm. things that you're doing in the name of that feel good or feeling adequate or feeling like I said, with the outfits, I got to get them with this one. Right, if you're right. doing that and you're, <laughs> and you're putting yourself in these positions, like, what is the root of that? Mm-hmm. What is the root, mm-hmm. as the old folks say? Yeah. Where does that come from? Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, that's the the root of it. It's like getting down to um, the mental part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Getting down to where does this come from? Why don't you feel adequate? Why don't you feel enough unless you have this name brand or this thing attached to who who you are how do, why is it that this image defines you um and and a lot of that is usually mental like you said a lot of it is usually it is usually upbringing right mm-hmm. um a lot of times i know um people that you know they make sure their kids who really <laughs> and I laugh because when I was growing up, we we had payless shoes, and mm-hmm. it wasn't because my parents couldn't afford it. Girl, we should like, payless. I enjoyed it. Right, y'all are children. First, mm-hmm. you're gonna dirty up these shoes. True. Then you're gonna grow out these shoes in a year. Also true. Why I'm kicking out seventy five dollars for a three year old to have some, you know, Jordans. And again, it is fine if you can afford it. But if your child has on seventy five dollar pair of Jordans. And then your phone bill getting cut off. It, it, yeah. It, it, right. Your child doesn't care. So some, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times it's the image of you feeling like you want other people to see that your child has mm-hmm. Jordans on. Yeah. That child don't care about them having Jordans on. Not at that age. Now, when no. they get to teenagers, that's a whole different Yeah, piece. save your money for them because right. I tell you, them Jordans are not $75. <laughs> they are not. feet they get bigger. Not. And they get big real <laughs> Quick, Especially like. if y'all got some boys. Yes, they get big real the quick. The 75 like. is 225 225 right? Again, another car payment, but that's 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 Wait, neither here nor there. Hey, my car was 250 You know oh, what girl, that's hey. a good, Oh, that's a good credit. <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> yes! 250 payment, okay? So, just what is your reason behind doing it? More so than, more so than you doing it, because you doing it is neither good nor bad but right. what is the purpose behind it and if yeah. the, like I said if the purpose doesn't give you a feel good mm-hmm. if the purpose is all about like you said someone liking it or someone commenting on it or it has to do with somebody else validating your choice yeah then it's not right yeah yeah, yeah. I, and I would I would kind of end it with saying whatever that purpose is should align with peace mm-hmm. and if it doesn't then you know may want to kind of really be introspective and kind of think about, you know, maybe areas where some changes may or may not need to be made. For sure. And I think even just making it a personal thing, I think for me, I I dealt with comparison trap issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I found, like you said, the the peace thing kind of got me because I realized when I was in certain crowds or around certain people, Mm -hmm. even thinking about going around those people made me anxious. 
mm-hmm. because I knew they were going to be judging my clothes. They were going to be judging my shoes. They were going to be judging my hair. And not because of perception, but because mm-hmm. it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And I knew when I was in those environments, when I came home, when I got out of the, even when I went back to the car, I didn't yeah. feel good. Right. Wow. And it was just always like, well. So then that says more about the people than it does you. No, because I don't I don't necessarily think um, because I think when the people in their own environment, mm-hmm. they were fine. Right. But yeah. I think me feeling like, oh, they live in a certain house or they, you know, dress a certain way. Oh, so you thought I, because yeah. of that they were going to be judging you. Yes. Okay. So I thought that they were going to be judging me and that I had to accommodate what mm-hmm. I was doing, mm-hmm. like change who I was yeah. to kind of mimic that that environment. Gotcha. But I could be in the same environment. Like I said, it wasn't necessarily that they had a big house because I've been in big homes where I didn't feel this way at all. Right. You know, um, I've been with people, like I said, that had the name brand this and had the name brand that, and I felt completely at peace. Yeah. And so I think you just have to do those self-assessments mm-hmm. of, like you said, does this make me feel peaceful? Yeah. And um, if, it, like you said, if it doesn't, then you're, you're probably not living in your own truth mm-hmm. and it's okay to, like I said, you know, even with social media, like every few months, at least once a year, I shut I shut it down yeah. because I have to I have to brain dump mm-hmm. and you know and I realized that in those times that I do do that that I'm very productive mm-hmm. and you know because even time like it's just the one thing that we can't get back so but 30 40 minutes 50 minutes an hour because time goes away really quick mm-hmm. um, in, in the morning. And you're just sitting there scrolling, looking like, oh, right. they, they got this today. They did this today. Right. And <laughs> it's just like, <sighs> yeah, you could yeah. be using that time in the morning to work out. If you could, you know, we always meditate. be like, right, yeah. meditation. You like, oh, you you don't have time for it. But if you really look at how much time you're looking at social media, other people's stuff, mm-hmm. it's like you do got time. Yeah. Yeah. It's you just, where's, where's your priority with it, right? I definitely agree. So, all right, divas and devos, that is our challenge, I guess, is to really look at what you have going on. Any of you kind of find yourself doing that, comparing or kind of keeping up with this elusive facade? Mm-hmm. Um, just think about those things. Does it bring you peace? Does it bring you mental peace? Does it bring you financial peace, emotional peace? And, you know, if not, you know, really kind of ask yourself those tough questions. You know, why yeah. am I doing the things that I'm doing? So, right. um, for sure. yes, great topic. Yeah, was all right so next on the docket we are going to get into dear diva and we have a letter for you uh we would like to hear from you as we said we read your letters anonymously so if you would like to ask questions or you know anything that you kind of want to know from us you can Email us at divaadvice at gmail.com. That is D-I-V-A-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. Diva Advice. So today's letter, I'm just going to get into it. It says, Dear Divas, I'll get right into it. Okay, she's on my frequency. (laughs) I am stressed about money. My fiancé and I live together. We moved in together, so we weren't paying two rent shortly after we got engaged. Okay. It doesn't bother me that I make twice what he does. What does upset me (laughs) is that it seems like he does not consider the cost of things. Mm. 
We have a joint account, and he will often buy expensive things without having a conversation with me. And when I get upset, he'll kind of make me feel bad by saying it's our money. Mm. While I do think what's in a joint account is jointly shared, I also think spending money that does not have to be spent or choosing higher cost choices when money could be saved is irresponsible. He'll often overdraw his own separate accounts and Mm -hmm. is often broke as soon as he gets paid. When I try to talk to him about these things, I'm called a nag, and it leads to arguments. I feel like I will have to be the one to control the finances, but I'm not even sure how to do that when we can't have a civil conversation about spending habits. I'm at my wit's end. Please help. Wow. Okay. You said said a mouthful, and I was just over here writing, 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 like, oh, so there is so much to do with that letter. Okay. So first, I would say, so you're living together, you have a joint account, mm-hmm. um, and you make twice what he does. I think the first thing you have to do is, I know you said in the letter that it doesn't bother you, but mm-hmm. um, you kind of have to really assess, does that bother you? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, you know, emotionally or I don't want to say morally, but Mm -hmm. just out loud, it sounds good to say, oh, I don't really care, you know, that I'm the breadwinner. Yeah. But we're not naturally kind of... I think sometimes if you're more traditional, sometimes it does bother you if you're the woman and you are the breadwinner. Some women, it doesn't. Yeah, But sometimes some women do feel like, oh, I would like for Mm -hmm. my partner to make a round... Round Yeah. Yeah. or at least contribute in other ways. And I think that's even a bigger thing here mm-hmm. than the fact that you make twice as much as he does yeah. is that you're actually kind of the head of household, right? Like you're the one who's having to make all the decisions, mm. the smart decisions anyway. You're the ones who's <laughs> having to direct the money. You're the one having to, I'm assuming, probably pay the bills because it doesn't sound like that is his top priority if he's mm. overdrafting his own account. Mm. Um, and then we're talking about overdraft fees if he's overdrafting his account. So he's probably, he has to pay those fees. And where is that money coming from? Right. So there were just a lot of things. I think for stress-wise, honestly, I would say to not have a joint account. Mm. To me, that re- it really doesn't make um, financial sense mm-hmm. for you guys to be having a, a a joint account right now for anything other than bills. Mm-hmm. So I don't think your extra income needs to be put into that account because if he's overdrawing it at this point in time, He's overdrawing your extra funds Mm -hmm. for his spending, and that's just really very selfish on his part. Mm -hmm. So I I would say if you're going to have a joint account, simply put the the baseline of what the bills cost in it and probably set up some kind of auto draft so that those bills are automatically drafted out. With him not really paying attention to the account and and drafting the money out of the account, I think you just need to sit down and have a conversation with him and let him know that the deposits in the account are going to change and that this is going to be a bill account. Mm. Pure and simple is going to be a bill account. And any kind of additional money at this point in time because you've tried to have a conversation with him. He's calling you a nag. He's really not trying to hear you. So at this point in time, I really believe that you need to start protecting yourself Mm. because he's looking out for his best interests, Mm -hmm. and I think it's time for you to start doing the same. Mm. 
So at the very minimum, I will put in bills for that account, let him know that that's what's going to be in the account. So he's not going into the account, taking money out of it. And honestly, foreseeing and foreshadowing, I believe once you have that conversation with him, he's still going to overdraw it. Mm. And at that point in time, your bills Mm. might start getting behind. And emotionally, I want you to realize if he is willing to do that to you, if he's willing to put y'all in a detrimental situation Mm -hmm. and not overdraft an account so that even the bare minimum can be paid, Mm -hmm. mm, probably not the person that you want to Yeah. Um, I think Quick said it very uh, diplomatically. Yes, I tried. Um, (laughs) I, I got a couple other things from that conversation. So here's the thing. I will start with the, like you said, you said you don't mind that he, that you earn twice as much. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, and what I'm reading from this letter is that it wouldn't bother you as much if you felt like he was being considerate mm-hmm. of the finances and doing things that don't put you all in a bind. Exactly. I think, you know, you saying that with everything that's going on, is it now it kind of feels like a rub. Like, here I am mm-hmm. making twice what he makes, and then he can't even be responsible. Right. That's kind of what I kind of read from that. And I think that, you know, like you said, you really have to make some moves to protect at least you know, you all's joint bills being paid and figuring out how to maybe have separate accounts for other things because things like that, you know, finance, obviously it seems like you're the saver in this relationship Mm -hmm. and he's more of the spender. And so sometimes when you feel like you're doing things to try to put you financially ahead and that person is basically, you know, almost like a one step forward, two steps back, there being the two steps back in this it's, it's going to be easy for you to start resenting him. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, you know, if you all can't have a conversation, I don't know, you know, I'm a proponent for independent third parties. I don't know if you all maybe have had like premarital counseling or going to couples therapy. I don't know if maybe that's a way to kind of get some of the frustrations you have across um, and, and make it so that you can express those things and he can receive those things and you all can come to some kind of conclusion. I don't know if that maybe is an option for you all. Um, but yeah, I would I would definitely say, you know, what Quick was saying about maybe just having a joint account for the things that you have jointly, like your bills mm-hmm. um, and things like that. And maybe there's more than one way to skin a cat. So you got people who handle bills a number of ways. I've seen some people who maybe... They pay the bills and the other person is responsible for saving or vice versa. But as a person who used to <laughs> handle divorces, the top reason Number besides one. infidelity for Number divorce one. was finances. Mm-hmm. So this is something that you really, I understand it's been a frustrating experience with him, but you all really have to get on one accord about um, sooner rather than later yes. because it is a top reason for mm-hmm. why people do not last in terms of a marital union. And we do want, you know, you diva, fellow diva, to have a happy union and a long union and, and so a peaceful union. yes and so i would definitely encourage like i said if you cannot talk to him and and get through to him and if if the joint account isn't kind of fixing the issue and you still feel like okay this is this is the person that i want to tether myself to I would definitely okay, tether. Em- okay girl <laughs> i would definitely uh implore you to I'm sorry. Lay over that sounded like Wikipedia. I'm not <laughs> This is how 
I speak. I'm not doing this. So I would definitely encourage you, since you want me to be plain, um, to, like I said, premarital counseling, therapy, to kind of work through this. Because we don't want to hear, you know, a year, two years mm-hmm. down the road, you like, girl, we, we didn't make it. So, yeah. you know, let us know how things go. You know, we are wishing you the best. Hopefully this helped you. Uh, like we said, guys, I'm sorry, divas and devos, um, if you would like to hear or have us answer your questions, you can email us at divaadvice at gmail.com. Yes. Email us and your letter may be heard on an episode. All right. So what is next up on the Diva Docket? Next we have Quick's Tips. I don't know what you got for us today. Well, I wanted to try to tie something in. (laughs) You know, I love symmetry. (laughs) Um, But I would like to try to tie something in with keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even with the letter, um, with her saying that, you know, he does a lot of overdrafting. He likes to buy expensive things. That, for my quick tip, is um, can you afford it, Mm. right? So you have to just really sit down and be honest with yourself when you're trying to make purchases, especially big purchases. Mm-hmm. You know, my threshold for a big purchase is anything over $500. Yeah. It could be whatever whatever it is for you. Some people at that $10,000 level, some okay. people at $100 level. So whatever that threshold is for you, like really sitting down and saying, hey, can I, can I afford this? What, mm-hmm. what is the real cost for me? And then just doing some, you know, some research, the statistics are, let's say, that you're not supposed to spend more than 15 to 20 percent of your net income. So the income that you bring home, you're not supposed to spend more than 15 to 20 percent of that for a car. Mm. And for a home, let's say, and I'll just say those because those are usually two of the bigger expenses. Mm-hmm. And for a home, it's supposed to be. of your net income. So, Mm -hmm. like, to put that into real numbers, let's say, you know, you make $40,000 and after state taxes and, you know, federal taxes and Social Security and all that stuff. Let's, you know, they're going to get theirs first. Yeah. Let's say you bring home $3,200 a month, $1,600 biweekly. So, with that, um, your car payment or your car and should not be more than 15 to 20% of the $3,200 a month. Mm-hmm. So in this example, that would be the max it would be would be five to $600. Mm-hmm. But you have to keep in mind, again, what is the cost? Kind of going back to my example of asking him, what is the oil change? Yep. And him saying, if you have to ask. Mm-hmm. That five to $600 encompasses yeah. those oil changes. It encompasses how much you would spend on gas, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, with gas right now, if you got, I'll just use my car, it costs, mm-hmm. costs about 30 to $40 a week mm-hmm. in gas. So that's what, roughly $160 right. a, a month in gas. So that's taking out of that $500 max, right? So $160 right. in gas, whatever your insurance would be for that, mm. all of that's taken out of that max of $500. So it, in reality, your car payment shouldn't be more than 300 to $400, right. not the five to $600, because you still have other costs. Right. So count up the cost. Can you really afford that car that you want? When mm-hmm. you go to purchase a car, when you go to purchase a home, emotions yep. should not be the reason that you purchase anything. Mm-mm. Because in that moment, you're driving off the lot. In that moment, you seeing that house, you're going to be happy. Oh, I love it. Right? Mm-hmm. But five to six months down the line... 
when you're really starting to see these costs, you, you're not going to be so happy. Emotions mm-hmm. change like the wind. Yeah. But those payments will not. <laughs> so, yeah. even, you know, thinking about the house, you know, they say it shouldn't be more than 30% of your income. Mm-hmm. And I do think just in, in today's society, with that example, $3,200 a month, 30%, you know, it would be $960 a month. Mm-hmm. Now, is that reality? Is that realistic? Mm, probably Depends not. On where you live. Probably yeah. not, right? Yeah. Because that what the average cost in, in Charlotte of of rent is twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. That's that's for a one bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about two bedrooms, you're getting up to thirteen and fourteen hundred dollars. So you well over that nine hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah. And that nine hundred and sixty dollars should have included your rent. It should have included your PMI. It should include all of those things. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not just that payment. So. My my thing would be, can, can you afford it to really look at the total cost of anything that you're getting ready to purchase? What is the insurance? What mm-hmm. is the car, gas going to be? Um, when you get into a house, it's not just that house payment. Right. The electricity yeah. bill. What is the utilities going mm-hmm. to be to, for, for this house? What does gas cost for this amount of square footage? Right. So you have to look at all of those things, the totality of the circumstances. Okay. <laughs> what will Bring it, it cost you? Mm-hmm. Right? What will it cost you to really be able to afford this thing? Yeah. Um, so that, that would be my my quick tip research make sure you can truly afford it definitely and i would say just to kind of piggyback you said for you your threshold on a you know an expensive thing Mm -hmm. or a big big ticket item is five hundred dollars and just tying into fellow diva's uh letter she was saying he would buy expensive things without consulting her so you know maybe in situations where you know you are sharing some expenses with a bay. Mm-hmm. You all might need to figure out what expenses is to you. You might need to figure out, um, you know, what is our threshold? Are we, if we're making a purchase over 500 or if we're making a purchase over at that, you know, that might need to be a conversation right. to have when you start, you know, kind of getting things and accumulating things together um, just to make sure you're on one page. Yeah, I think that is so important, especially when you have a joint account, because let's say that that's your threshold, 500 and he decides not to talk about it. You decide not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You go buy a bag. He go buy some electronic. Yeah. Y'all done under, overdrawn your account by a thousand dollars just because you wouldn't have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that it's just it's important to be able to. And and I will say this: if you are with someone that you cannot have a financial conversation with, you already behind the eight ball. Yeah. You're already behind the eight ball. So definitely you know, a red flag. It's at the very huge. least. It's a stop sign. <laughs> it is a stop sign. Do not pass go until y'all can figure this out. So. Okay, you all. Well, I guess quick tip basically is count up the cost. Count can the you cost. afford it? Yes. All right, guys. So that wraps up our show for this episode. We are so glad that you were here with us. We invite you to follow us on social media. You can find us at Divas and Duckets on Instagram. Yes. Um, as we said, we're a little washed, so I don't know. We're going to have to figure out Snapchat and all the other things. <laughs> <laughs> Not washed. But, I mean, you know, that's what my nieces and nephews say. Okay. <laughs> so follow us. We, like I said, thank you for being here. And we will see you next time. See you next time, divas and divas. Have a great attitude. Bye.